Life is certainly full of the unexpected, isn't it? Surprises, both good and bad, happen to us a lot. Some things that happen are big deals, and some are trivial if we have perspective. Sometimes the unexpected is even funny. Science has revealed that jokes are funny primarily because when we hear a joke, the, the punchline is generally not something we are anticipating. Jokes are humorous precisely because of logic taking a surprising turn. In a research article I read a while ago, they gave some examples of jokes to illustrate such surprising logic. So, for example, a fellow one day said, I was sitting in traffic the other day, which is probably why I got run over. (laughs) Or I went to a wedding that was incredibly emotional. Even the wedding cake was teared. I know. (laughs) Or two fish were swimming in a tank. One fish said to the other, do you know how to drive this thing? That's really bad. And finally, thank goodness, what did the blanket say as it fell off the bed? Oh, sheet. (laughs) Well, whether or not these jokes are funny or even silly, the logic within them does take an unexpected turn. And for sure, our days in life are filled with surprising turns, aren't they? The unexpected including those darn things known as interruptions. I don't know about you, but I experience interruptions every single day of my life, from small to big. And indeed, having to respond to interruptions is part of what it means to be alive. Calls from people we know, things that come up, both good and bad, stuff going on with our bodies, intrusive thoughts and feelings, not being able to finish a sentence when talking, Co-workers knocking on a closed door, deliveries, news headlines, kids, parents, friends, power outages, weather, mishaps, a long fit of sneezing, robocalls, or someone asking for directions, or even kids selling Aspen rotary plastic ducks for a great fundraiser, (laughs) and on and on and on. Yes, dictionaries define it. As dictionaries define it, we all experience a stoppage or hindering or break in the continuity of something that we are doing. And while some interruptions are no big deal, others can be immensely annoying. And I know that when I am interrupted, I can feel frustrated, angry, overloaded, or just have the thought of, oh no, not one more thing to deal with. How do you feel in response to the variety of interruptions in your daily lives? While we experience a range of thoughts and feelings due to being interrupted, as I reflect upon this whole topic, I'm coming to realize that interruptions and how we respond to them can be deeply spiritual occurrences that impact our journey with Jesus. In fact, in some ways, interruptions can be opportunities to grow, learn, and deepen our walk with Christ. And if we pause for a moment, we will discover that Jesus was the master at responding to interruptions in profound ways. When a person interrupted Jesus, he or she was never the same, just as a result of interrupting Jesus. Is the same true for people who interrupt us? 
There's so many stories of interruptions in Scripture. Take Mary. She was young and she had a plan. She had a vision for her life. She knew what she wanted. She wanted to marry a fellow named Joseph. And while we don't know for sure, I'm pretty confident that Joseph and Mary spent hours talking about their future life together, their hopes and their dreams, and how they wanted things to play out. But talk about the unexpected. Talk about a massive interruption of a life plan. The Holy Spirit shows up and unwed Mary finds out she is pregnant with Jesus. And not pregnant because of an oops, but pregnant because God had another idea for how her life would unfold. Then there's Peter and Andrew, two hardworking guys. As fishermen, they understood sweat equity firsthand. They knew what 12-hour-plus workdays were like without any assurance of getting paid. But they worked. They had to provide no time to rest. Hungry mouths depended on their labor. And then one day at the end of a long shift of fishing, Peter and Andrew are at work cleaning up and getting ready for a bit of rest. And Jesus comes along, saw them, and says, Hi, boys. I know you work hard. I know you're fishermen, but I have an idea. Follow me right now, and I will make you a new kind of fisherman out of each of you. I will show you how to catch women and men instead of perch and bass. Talk about an upending workday interruption. Talk about an unexpected career move. Or how about the day Jesus goes to a Galilean seaside town called Capernaum. It was the Sabbath day. It was time to worship and teach and to praise God. And Jesus was at a meeting, a gathering, where people were worshiping on the Sabbath. And he taught and he taught and folks were very into what he was saying. In mid-sentence, as Jesus was saying something amazing, he was interrupted by a fellow that was out of his mind. Jesus dropped what he was doing, turned toward the man and healed him on the spot. Nothing like engaging in eloquent speech or really being into what you were saying only to be interrupted by someone with lots of loose ends. Didn't phase Jesus, though. Then there was a time a group of people crowded into a house to hear Jesus speak. Who knows how far these people traveled to hear the Master? Who knows the reasons they went to see Jesus that day? But we know their motivation to see and listen to Jesus was high. The house they were in was jam-packed, and Jesus was talking again, and all of a sudden dirt started falling from the ceiling of the house. They heard voices and digging sounds, and after a few minutes, a lot of dirt fell from the roof, exposing a huge hole. And suddenly, a guy who could not walk was lowered down on a pallet through the roof to the feet of Jesus. A chaotic commotion broke out. Jesus, not wasting a moment, embraced that interruption and did what was necessary. He healed the man and forgave his sins. Or how about Jairus? Jesus was standing by the side of the Sea of Galilee, having just gone across the water. And he was standing there, and Jairus, a prominent religious leader, comes up and says, Jesus, my 12-year-old daughter is very sick. I'm worried about her. She may die. Will you come with me? And Jesus said, I'll come right away with you. A large crowd of people jostling for position began to follow Jesus and Jairus. And while walking, a woman who had suffered a terrible mental condition 
medical condition for many years and lost everything, slipped in behind Jesus and touched his robe. Jesus stopped and turned and looked at the woman. And she was healed and her faith was strengthened. And although Jesus was on the way to deal with one big problem, Jairus' daughter, the sick woman's big problem and interruption did not cause Jesus to stew. He simply took on both big problems at the same time. Fast forward to some time later, Jesus and apostles have been working tirelessly. They're exhausted. They need a break, a bit of time to rest. Jesus says, let's get in the boat and go across the sea and rest. We're tired. So they climb into the boat and they go across the sea, but someone sees them get into the boat. And word gets out quickly. And suddenly, literally thousands of people are running along the shore looking at the boat to see where Jesus stopped. And when Jesus and his crew landed, Jesus saw the crowds. Thoughts of rest went out of his mind and his heart broke. And he began to teach the people. And near the end of the day, his apostles pointed out that it was time to leave so the people could get home before dark to eat something. And this turned into the well-known feeding of the 5,000, which thousands of people were fed miraculously with just some fish and a few loaves of bread. Nothing like needing a lot of rest only to have thousands of people interrupt your sleep time. We've looked at a few stories of interruptions happening to Jesus. There's so many more like them, like the time he went to have dinner and a woman shows up and starts rubbing oil on his feet. How would we respond to that interruption? Or when Jesus was praying and praying and praying and having some God time, and Judas shows up with a mob interrupting him. Then, of course, there's our reading today in the story of the Good Samaritan. In our reading, we heard the well-known story of the Good Samaritan. And for a moment, let's very briefly look at the story in a very general sense and what typically we learn from it. In the story, a lawyer, a Jew, asked Jesus, a Jew, a question. We don't know what the lawyer's intent is. But he asks the question, what do I need to do to get right with God? The lawyer asks. And Jesus says, well, you tell me. And the man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, soul, and love your neighbors as yourself. Jesus says, you're right. And I have a story to tell you, by the way, just to make sure you've got it right. Jesus illustrates what love entails and who our neighbors are to show how just love, how hard love can be to make it clear that love is not always about doing what is easy, but rather about having a soft enough heart to love everyone, even those we cannot stand. Think of the relevance of that teaching in our culture today. It's important to remember that in those days, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Imagine all the groups that hate one another in our day. By telling the Jewish lawyer that a hated Samaritan is the one who got it right certainly was one way to get somebody's attention. 
And it's through the story of the Good Samaritan that most of us know that Jesus makes extraordinary and very uncomfortable points. Think for a moment about a person or a group of people or a demographic or a profile of people that you have a hard time with. Think about it. Who is it? A Republican, a Democrat, a migrant, a Muslim, an African American, your literal neighbor? Think about prejudices you may have. Reflect for a moment how you feel when you hear someone you don't like speak or you hear someone say something from a perspective with which you completely disagree. Who gets to you? Who do you revile? Jesus says that one is your neighbor. That one is specifically your neighbor. And if you want to get right with God, Treat that person as your neighbor. Everybody is our neighbor because everybody is claimed by God. That's enough of a story to get us to pause, isn't it, in this day? But there's something else going on in the story. Remember that while the Samaritans stopped to help the fellow in the road, the priest and the other religious fellow refused to render aid they were going somewhere. We don't know where they were going. They had something to do or they wouldn't have been traveling that day. And both refused to let their plans be interrupted by the fellow who was hurt that they unexpectedly came upon. And yes, Jesus tells the story to illustrate who our neighbor is, but might the story also be telling us that there are opportunities for you and for me embedded within interruptions like helping out someone in distress when it's not convenient at all. And so I have to wonder, why are there so many stories in Scripture in which interruptions are a key part of the storyline? Why is that? So many of the stories could be told without the element of interruption, making the same point in some ways. So therefore, might it be that interruptions are something that God wants us to pay attention to? Certainly none of us is like Jesus who did not get flustered in response to people bringing him the unexpected. But that said, perhaps God invites all of us to look at the opportunities embedded within the daily interruptions we experience. A very fast caveat before I move to wrapping up. Obviously some interruptions need to be controlled and managed. We don't want a distracted pilot or a distracted surgeon in the OR or a distracted chef that is pulling off a boiling pot of water on the stove. But with that caveat, let's briefly continue. The writer C.S. Lewis once said, I love what he said because I find it personally convicting. He said, the great thing if one can is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things in life as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, as C.S. Lewis writes, that what one calls the interruptions in life are precisely one's real life. The life God is sending each of us day by day, full of all those interruptions. In other words, interruptions are inherently part of what our real lives are about. So what are the opportunities we can find in the midst of interruptions? 
What might this part of real life teach us about life and ourselves and our walk with Jesus? The short answer is a lot, but here are just a few thoughts as I close. Interruptions can show us and teach us if we pay attention to get over the sense that we're in control of things. We're not. We may have a plan, we may have a strategy, we may have clear-cut hopes, but interruptions, big and small, invite us to remember that we are not in control. God is. And most of us, I know, at least I do, like certainty when it comes to some areas of life. Some of us, at least I do, like some clarity and predictability, but interruptions remind us if we let them that ultimately there's not much to be certain about other than the love of God and that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ. Interruptions can remind us too that none of us has everything down pat. Thank God. They can create an awareness that nothing and no one is perfect, that interruptions and the unexpected are the norm and can help us to release perfectionism and learn to relax. Also throughout Scripture, we know the value of patience and that lack of patience gets people into a big mess and a lot of trouble. But interruptions, if we allow them to teach us, can help us to practice and practice and practice patience that will help us in many areas of life. Just a few more. Interruptions can teach us to be more sensitive to others, to learn what compassion entails and what lies at the heart of empathy. You see, needing help is rarely, if ever, convenient. The needs of children, the needs of aging parents, the needs of friends, the needs of people we work with, the needs of strangers like the man lying in the road in the story of the Good Samaritan, rarely ever happen according to our schedule, our clockwork, or how we would prefer it, or whether or not there's something else going on in our lives. And finally, I believe that one key thing at the heart of our walk with Jesus is learning to shift our focus away from ourselves to the other. You see, interruptions, if we allow them, can teach us to live from the place of being other-focused, not self-absorbed. Interruptions, if we let them, can teach us to live more like Jesus, accepting interruptions as they come and attending to the person that is right in front of us in the midst of what is going on in our own lives. Yes, if I thought about this topic of interruptions this week and how sometimes I'm really not good at responding to them, I'm coming to learn that, in fact, interruptions can be islands of grace in the sea of too much busyness, too much self-focus, and too much of an effort to get things done. They can be islands of grace in the midst of all of that. And I believe the more we accept interruptions, embrace them, the more we will become like Jesus. And I pray that when we are interrupted later this day, that we might hear that interruption as God knocking at your door and mine. And so I invite us now to spend a few moments in silence turning to and praying to God and just pondering this whole topic of interruption and what lessons there might be for us to learn 
from them and how we might move closer to Jesus by accepting them. And let us pray.